welcome to the show. It's been a, as the kids say, a hot minute. If you've never tuned in before, thanks for tuning in. If you like, subscribe, do something of that nature, that will literally make my day. So as we proceed into this podcast future, I'm just going to lay out some guidelines real quick. So there's order and disorder, right? There's structured chaos in a way. And if I try to organize things too much, I spend my life organizing and nothing ever happens. And if I spend my life in chaos and don't ever try to organize, it's obviously the other extreme. So I'm going to kind of riff on some things and keep the episodes, keep this episode, you know, under a half an hour. And if you follow what I'm saying, great. If you get lost, great. Because, again, the most helpful thing, I think, is for us to listen from this place of awareness of observing our own internal reactions slash environmental experience and balancing that with external stimuli. So we're kind of in this meditation of you're listening to my words, you're feeling your inner world. Then maybe you tune out of my words and you tune deeper into your internal world. And then you come back into my words and you only hear my words and you let go of your internal awareness. And you're just going to be doing whatever you're doing, modulating this way of being. And something I say might really resonate, might make you think, might make you feel. And that's all I would ever hope. So I'm just going to jump right in. I'm going to talk a little bit about, obviously, breath work, and I'm going to talk a little bit about, kind of use some scientific terms, and then also maybe some more mystical terms, and this has just kind of been stuff that's been bouncing around a lot. Working with our breath, breath work sets us up to have an embodied realization. Maybe we call it tapping into heart intelligence. This heart intelligence opens us up to an awareness beyond our thinking mind. And thus we begin to more clearly see that our mental ideas about things, especially things right and wrong, good and bad, are mostly made up and not always that aligned with the true nature of isness, true nature of things. So this is very simple, you know, nothing new or fancy about it, meditation, to increase our awareness of what is. So this embodied realization takes place. And this embodied realization signals a shift in consciousness. Signals a door to begin to open. The opening of a door. It doesn't mean that the door is flung wide open and then we've succeeded at anything. It's just the opening of a door slowly begins to emerge out of what previously was just a solid blank wall. And we realize how 
kind of out of options we felt staring at that blank solid wall. And this doorway leads towards a place of deep, dark, unshakable relaxation. To the core of our being, this ability to relax so deeply in the face of our own mortality liberates vast currents of energy. So we're on a threshold now. And if we go through this door, we're going to experience, we're going to find this unshakable, deep relaxation that penetrates to the core of our being. And some people might have the experience of like, okay, great, let's do this. And other people might naturally just be ambivalent about it, about anything that's new or anything that is through a door, right? But the thing I really want to point out here is that it's terrifying because this is a place of deep, dark, unshakable relaxation to the core of our being, this ability to relax so deeply in the face of our own mortality that liberates vast currents of energy. So yes, we want to liberate vast currents of energy to fulfill our life's purpose, and we also want to be able to relax in the face of our own mortality. But what that means is that we learn how to relax in the face of our own mortality, which obviously means we have to really confront and feel the profundity of the ever-fleetingness of this moment and who we are, and it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It can be pretty heavy. But if we do it, and not that we like all of a sudden achieve it and then it's done, but by practicing this, by learning to relax in this deep way beyond our conscious ability to relax, the cellular detoxing of fear, this deep existential relaxation that can happen. It's going to be the, the birth, the rebirth into this new life where we have no fear. Not that we're going to then do things that are reckless, right? We'll still, we still have the fear as it is useful, but we see it for what it is, which is my organism is afraid. Or this inner, I'm, I'm feeling energy and it brings up fear, but there's utter awareness and the ability to discern what that fear is and how to breathe with it and harness the energy of all things. So this is a part of how it works. Then vast currents of energy are liberated because that fear energy that we've tried to suppress, all of the energies that we're afraid of, we now actually wield. We've become a master of them. And this is depicted in Hindu mythology with Shiva um, having snakes as jewelry that symbolizes Shiva's mastery over the, the animal or primal parts of us, 
the animal parts of us that react and act from a place of just pure survival instinct, which is naturally very do-or-die um, fear survival at all cost, right? Black and white, there's not a lot of options. There's no options. It's survive or nothing. So it's pretty desperate. All right, so that's a little maybe mystical side of things. So in simpler terms, meaning if you, if scientific terminology is more helpful, not that it's more helpful, but it's helpful, especially in conjunction with its opposite. Scientific terminology, we can use our breath to reset our nervous system, our limbic system. The limbic system is the base of the brain, basal ganglia specifically, which is a part of the limbic system, governs really the survival instinct. So we reset that, and then we start dancing around with snakes as necklaces because we've become Shiva. We've become the masters of our animal nature. So that's cool. One of the things that happens with a resetting of the nervous system is that trauma, a.k.a. unresolved past experiences, get processed on the somatic cellular level. So obviously with animals, there's only a somatic cellular level. They don't really have a conscious thinking mind of dwelling on past experiences, but we do. So for humans working with past experiences that have gone unresolved, we have to do two things. We have to process it on an intellectual level and through kind of narrative excavation, investigation, but then also we have to do it at the animal level, the physical, somatic, cellular level. So as you know, you know, these past experiences can be things that we specifically remember, like you, you know, maybe we know exactly what our trauma is. Maybe we have no idea. Maybe we have the feeling of like, I don't, I, don't know, I think I'm pretty good. I don't really have trauma. And so then, you know, just touching on scientific exploration and basically the Westerners' new and improved proof of epigenetics and inherited emotional stress and realizing that trauma and stress gets passed down to your children. So we realize that there's this collective and ancestral component that we're working with. Which is really beautiful to see. Everybody... kind of collectively working through their stuff, not just for them, but for their ancestors. It's really beautiful. And for their children, for the future generations. So if anyone's read the book, 
The Body Keeps the Score, which you probably have because I think it's a huge book, Bessel, he used to come to Kripalu all the time, so I kind of know him. Not really, but I used to set up his microphones and his PowerPoint stuff because I was audiovisual intern there. Um, so he talks about how talk therapy, the narrative excavation part of healing, doesn't actually can't actually get at these like pre-verbal or the deepest somatic imprints that trauma has imprinted upon us. So the way I think of this is that, you know, conventional talk therapy, for it to be effective at resolving our deep core wounds, we have to endeavor first or in conjunction with making contact with the energetic imprint that these past experiences left on our limbic system. So our thinking mind might think that this past experience was this, this, or that. But the only thing that really matters in this regard is what, how did it affect our limbic system? Because that's the part of us that flips the, flips, you know, the default switch to being like, when we're under threat, it takes over. So we have to make contact with the energetic imprint that these past experiences left on our limbic system, our basal ganglia. Otherwise, our mind will try and rationalize our way out of simply feeling and allowing ourselves to encounter these parts of our past. So we greatly benefit from learning to relax while feeling the feelings that we have spent our lives trying to avoid. So the nervous system gets reset. That's great. And in doing so, we heal a lot of trauma. We rewire our brain's fear association pathways. The nervous system gets restored to a robust and powerful mechanism of regulated stability. And we also increase our arousal threshold, meaning that we can now tolerate higher levels of stress hormone without going into survival mode. Flight, fight, freeze, dorsal vagal, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, polyvagal theory, y'all. So how do we do this? And this is the thing that's really interesting. There's literally a million ways. And not only are there a million ways, every individual that does all of these a million ways, it's going to do it differently and it's going to be a different process. So I'll just give some examples of like for some, all we need is just to do some breath work for like five minutes a day for this however many days. And we, that really helps. For other people, they're more of a go-getter and so they jump in and do way more breath work for a shorter period of time or they're combining it with all this other stuff and, you know, the way we do, the way we go about this really is a reflection of how we operate. So the thing that's really interesting is that if we're endeavoring to 
move forward down this path of liberating vast currents of life force energy by becoming masters of our limbic system, by becoming masters of the animal realms of primal survival instincts to evolve beyond, to evolve past survival and into thrival. We're going to have a tendency to do the thing, whatever the technique is, whatever the therapy is, whatever the thing is, from this place that's going to actually be a good indicator of the way our nervous system is. So I'll use myself as an example. I engaged in this part of my process with the energy of fighting, doing breath work really intensively, and all of that anger, all of that fight being absorbed and like, you know, channeled, put to pretty good use. Like I think it was very skillful, very helpful, very effective. And now looking back on it, I can see, wow, that was, that was heal, like healing myself by utilizing the very energeticness of that was the result of my wounding. And as a breathwork facilitator, I see this all the time. You know, people fall asleep. People maybe, you know, they remind me of myself. They have all of this fight. Some other people, they come once and they never come back or they come and they can't stay with it. They continue to kind of fly away somewhere to disassociate. Um, so again, it's so beautiful and so cool because we're wanting to get from point A to point B. And to me, it's like such an invitation to obviously, it's like we can just slow way down and realize that right now in this moment, the way I'm going about this is the perfect indication of the the actuality of my state where I actually am, the isness of what is right now in myself as I am relating to whatever it is that I'm doing, and then to let that sink in, to absorb that, and to let go of these ideas of like wanting it, obviously wanting it to be different, wanting to have a set sequence of, okay, this is working like this, and I know it's working because of the science behind it, and then I'm going to do 10 minutes of this, and then I'm going to eat these foods, and I'm going to be fixed. Which again, obviously, you can distinguish for yourself, like that's coming from this place of desperation and or just deep resistance to deep unconscious resistance to allowing things to just be the way that they are right now and and there's no possibility that maybe the way things are right now is not only just the way that it is there's no point fighting it but that it's actually 
for the benefit of not only the individual moving towards the state of wholeness, but actually it's happening at the fastest rate possible. So we might think, oh, it's taking forever. I think that it's all happening as fast as seemingly possible, and that's why the world right now feels so crazy, because it's like, my God, this is, this is, like, we're all learning so much every day. Well, we're being presented with the opportunity to learn so much every day. We don't necessarily learn everything every day that we have the opportunity to because of this, because of what I'm saying, because we're trying to get somewhere on our own terms in the way that our mind has organized its beliefs into thinking it should be however way it thinks it should be. And breathwork specifically, because it's something that is self-generated, I feel like sets people up to have this embodied realization in a much more transferable way into life because like right now like that's the feeling in me and I know what it feels like and it's always there and I catch myself I watch myself doing it from this place of just natural reflex like my system is surfing and coping in skillful ways all the time and taking a sigh of relief is one of the most profound things that I can consciously do and then to realize that my body is naturally doing that roughly every five minutes just automatically and then taking my awareness to that and starting to be able to catch it every time it happens and then catching it I, I feel it happen and feel what it feels like to not be the doer of it and then to do it a couple of times consciously to kind of then explore the other side of the, the, the conscious quality of it and how can I harness this, this somatic intelligence that I am, you know, residing in and experiencing the world through. So... That's kind of to say, you know, breathwork's really dope. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cut the Fru-Fru. My next class <laughs> is in, actually, it's tomorrow, but it's a private event and you can't come. My next class after that is in Ohio and there's one spot available. December 28th, Tuesday after Christmas, 6.30 p.m. in Coshocton, Ohio above Dean's Jewelry. So if you want to stay in touch, I recommend the simplest way if you're on Instagram is to follow me at dr.rainwater. And then the link in my bio, you can go to, takes you to my website, takes you to my music, takes you to where you can sign up for my MailChimp message central to get notified on class schedules and things such as that. But you can also go directly just to rainwaterbreathworks.com. That's about it. This final minute will just be a moment to be in silence. <laughs> I'm joking. That's it. See you next time.